is Corporate Cafecito, where we discuss career development and entrepreneurial growth strategies. I'm Mario Rodriguez. Y yo soy Nayeli Suarez-Guez. Go get your cafecito and let's talk about professional growth. Welcome back to Corporate Cafecito. Yo soy Nayeli Suarez-Guez. Y yo soy Mario Rodriguez. Y hoy tenemos el gusto de tener a Miriam Del Ángel, who is joining us. She is a Chicago-based human resources professional. She is an author. She is a mom. She has worked for all the big guys like PricewaterhouseCoopers, um, Deloitte, uh, Accenture, Microsoft. She has been everywhere that typically you don't see a lot of Latinas. And so recently she has spearheaded Latinas in Corporate, which is a book uh, that tells a lot of stories that are very warm and touching. And so we are just ecstatic that you are here. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. So excited to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, tell us how you got here and, and maybe end with your inspiration to bring the book to life. Sure. So uh, again, Miriam Delangel or Miriam Delangel, I respond to both. <laughs> I am half Colombian, half Mexican, born and raised in Chicago in Little Village. I'm a mom of three kids, three teenagers, 14, 16, and 18, mm -hmm. um, who all love soccer. Um, I've been in HR for over 20 years. Right out of college, I went to Arthur Anderson, which was an, an old accounting firm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then from there, I went to Microsoft. So I continued my journey in HR, going through those organizations and learning a lot about what corporate life is, specifically for a Latina, because I didn't grow up with uncles sure. or aunts who were in the corporate world. Right. So it was a, a very new to me. In fact, when I, my first day at Microsoft, I had to fly to Toronto because my manager uh, was out there. And I never experienced that, that I was on the way to the airport and I, I didn't have my passport because I didn't think of it. Right. right. So things like those experiences and speaking with a lot of um, Latinos in general, being in HR, I saw the good, bad, and ugly. Mm. And throughout those years, as I navigated through my career at different organizations and left for different reasons, you know, growing a family and flexibility and things of those mm -hmm. of that nature, I heard a lot of stories. I heard a lot of challenges that we face and also myself trying to grow within those corporate ladders, but also try to balance being a, a mom, a, a wife, a daughter, and so on, that um, when the pandemic hit, I was given the opportunity to be a part of another book, Latinas Rising Up in HR, and that really exposed me into the world of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I got the inspiration of writing a book about um, Latinas in corporate, excuse me, because I heard so many stories and I continue hearing these stories and women feel like it's just them. And then when yeah. I share, I'm like, no, you, this is not, you're not alone. It's the same theme. Everyone has their own unique story. Um, but it is something that's similar. So I decided to write this book where I not only share data, I share data on um, women in general, Latinos in general, and then Latinas, because we are the least paid. In, in I saw that. What is it, it? 54 cents? Yes, on the dollar. On the dollar. Yeah. We're the wow. least paid. And a lot of people don't know that. And when you say that to, to a Latina, they're like, I had no clue, right? We're because, also the biggest female workforce. Right. We're <laughs> growing. You know, it's exponential. It's, mm -hmm. it's insane. And But we don't know that, right? There's no awareness. So I decided to, do, to share some um, data. And then the second part of the book, I decided to create three fictional characters and, you know, had fun with it. Talked about marriage, talked about family, um, 
accents, um, the way you look, things like that, that a lot of women experience in the corporate world. And then I interviewed about six women anonymously. Mm-hmm. And that was more for sharing real life stories, but for them to feel comfortable in sharing those. So they don't feel like if they're still at that company, they right. will get in trouble. And then the last part of my book, I share resources and tools that will help Latinas in the corporate world around four themes, more for mental health, education, um, networking, and really all overall confidence. Because I think that's the struggle with Latinos in general, especially Latinas, right? Yes. What's that phrase, calladita te ves más bonita? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, I just put my head down and I'm going to wait till you tap me in the shoulder. And unfortunately, that's not how it works. Yes. You need to speak up and really talk about what you're uh, what you're doing, because I'm an HR, I'm at the table. I hear all the conversations around promotions, uh, ratings, and things like that. And a lot of it, uh, we just don't speak up. We don't share. And I'm an advocate, so I'll sit there and I'll, I'll know my people and start saying, hey, you know, Maria does this and that. Well, the coach doesn't know that, right? right. Because Maria's never s- said anything, these amazing things that she's doing outside of her normal day-to-day. And that's what's counted as above and beyond. That's what's counted as getting that extra raise or what those things like that. So again, I decided to be a storyteller so that women feel heard and also our allies and corporate um, people understand, not feel sorry for us, but understand our challenges, not only at work, but also at home. Yeah. You know, I, so much that you said, I'm like, I'm like, God, yes, there's someone saying our names. There's someone who's in the room, someone who hears the stories. I I recently was in uh in, in a group and we were talking and I just told I, I just I remember we just started crying and I was just like, I feel so lonely. Right. And I'm just like, it's so hard. Um, you know, I'm a business owner. Like I you know, if you're a business owner, you don't have coworkers right. really that you could. And um, it was funny. Someone else started crying. She's like, I feel so lonely too. And, right. you know, and it's so funny because if someone doesn't start that conversation, none of us will say it. So I think your book is a great platform or just like a, I, like, I hope that every like prima book club is reading <laughs> it so that they so talk too. about it and say right. like, Hey, this is, you know, th- it's, we need to say something. Right. And I also not only talk about, like, I talk about mental health, which is something with, for black and brown people that we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Or it's, and I say in the book, like, my mom is like, why are you, why would you talk to someone? Dame el dinero a mi. And I'm like, but how can I talk to you about you? Right. And she'd be like, ah, you know, and it's those things. I also talk about menopause, which is something we need to start talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also divorce yeah. and dating, like those things that, it's such a taboo that we don't talk about or or the challenges we face within our own families, right? Because unfortunately it's a cycle and we're yeah. not breaking those cycles that we need to. And now that I have kids, I'm trying to like break that cycle and, and showing them that you can do things. You know, if you see it, you can believe it. You know, if you believe, yeah. you know, if you see it, you can be it. And, um, but those things we have to start talking about and not the fear. And I, I, I'm sure, you know, growing up, it's like, don't share what you're doing. Don't yeah. talk about this. Right. <laughs> and it's it's really struggle even for my mom today. She's like, you're, you're out there too much on social media and blah, blah. And I'm like, because I'm selling a book. Like, how am I supposed to sell my book? How yeah, am I supposed to spread there. the word? How am I supposed to create these communities? Um, so it's just breaking that fear 
that we all have. And I always say, don't let fear dictate your future. And I know it's really hard. And then even the struggle of being first generation, right? And then having two cultures of the Mexican or three, Mexican, yeah. Colombian, and American. I don't fit anywhere. Okay, arepas or tortillas? <laughs> tortillas. Okay. But empanadas, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> and sancocho, oh my God. But, you know, feeling that inequity, yeah. right? That you're like, where do I belong? So I just think it's important to talk about. And my kids are Mexican, Colombian, and Puerto Rican. So they're even another layer um, to for them to understand where do we fit in. But yet we have the same challenges. So let's yes. help each other. The last sentence in my book is, be the Latina that helps other Latinas. We need to stop breaking us down. I agree. And let's start saying, oh my God, amazing what you're doing. And let's bring people and elevate people versus being like, Haters is what the term was used yesterday at the panel I was on. I was like, okay. Um, but doing that, and we need to just help and promote ourselves because I think it's very important, especially because of what I've seen in the corporate world. So, Miriam, first off, thank you for, for being courageous out there and, and culminating the stories of, of the trajectory you've had in corporate America. So what has been the most impactful story that that impacted you in your career? And then... What can we do to tell our story? Right. I think the the one that has really impacted me, and it wasn't me personally, it was someone that I met a couple of years ago from um, Puerto Rico, born and raised in New York, but when she was young, went back to Puerto Rico. So when she came back, she you know she had the accent, mm-hmm. and her in in being in, in tech, like you know, there's rare women in general in STEM. And for her to be Latina in the STEM world and having that accent. And it broke my heart because she was told at one point that she needs to go to a class that will help her correct her accent. Mm. And she went. Oh. And she went there. And it's in my book. It's in the story. It broke my heart because she went there and she looked around and there were other people from other countries there too, right? I, I, and and. She, as she's listening to this, she said to me, she's like, I, the first thing that they're saying is their intro is like, we're here to fix you. We're here to fix your, you know, the way you speak to help you communicate. And, and she felt horrible because she felt like what's, then something's wrong with me. Right. 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 Um, and she, she went to that first class and she never went back. Good for her. Because she realized like the accent is part of who I am. Right. It's her and I'm doing an amazing job. And it's not my fault that one um, partner didn't understand or couldn't understand me or didn't try to. And she, she fought that. And, and, you know, she, she's like, I won't say, but she's, she's pretty up there and she's doing amazing things. Yeah. Um, but that really broke my heart because I think of my parents who came here, yeah. but they're entrepreneurs and they didn't even have the, the education, speak the language and they got through it. Right. And, you know, for her to be saying, I'm really good at this, but it's because of my accent that you're going to knock me down and tell me, me we're not going to promote you because until you fix that. Right. So that was like the truly the one that really broke my heart. And I've heard stories of you got to straighten your hair or, you know, things like that. Your next interview, why don't you straighten your hair or don't, you know, wear tight clothes or or bright colors and Things like that. So yesterday I wore orange, so that's pretty funny because I try to wear bright colors because I love uh, bright colors. But in order to help us, I think we need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. 
and share those stories so that people are not alone. But also, how can we overcome that? How can we help each other? Um, again, going back to the confidence, mm-hmm. right? I do have a lot of women that reach out to me and men, mm-hmm. and they say, look, how do I build my confidence? Well, that's the life struggle. Like, I have to still do it. I'm a very confident person, mm-hmm. but I have my moments. And you really have to do some um, soul searching and say, what are your strengths and what do you want to do? And if you don't have that in your wheelhouse, how am I going to get that? So right. reading, you know, start doing the research, start doing those things to help. But we don't tell each other that. We're going to refresh our cafecito. While we do that, visit our website, corpcafecito.com, for more information on how to contact Mario or me. Corporate America has provided a platform for, for the employees to tell their story, their accomplishments, because I think sometimes what happens is that management doesn't know the little things, the accomplishments, the milestones in the 12 year period or 12 month period of, of the year right. that they did. Do you find that corporate America is now providing that platform for them to kind of let me self-assess, let me tell my story and see if it aligns with what the manager saw or didn't see? Do you see that's happening more? They are. And it's 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 really good to see that in the last couple of years of the companies I've been part of, um, especially around your self-review, right? Mm-hmm. They give it to you. You you give it to your managers and you say, this is my story, right? right. And they're supposed to represent you, right, right, at the table. But if they don't know you, and that's why we have to teach the employees, so how are you going to tell that story? Yeah. Especially Latinos. They leave off those, oh, yeah, I was like community building in my office, and I didn't even put that. And you know what I mean? So those things, and yeah. a lot of companies are trying to do that, bring yourself to work. I right. know that's our, I'm at Grant Thornton, and that's our you know logo or theme. And it's really up to the company. But also, what I try to educate people is that because they're a manager doesn't mean they're a good manager, right? Mm-hmm. And we, it's hard for a company to to assess that, but it can be done. Training, things like that. But you can't assume because you're, if the individual's a manager that they're going to know what's best for you or they're going to understand how to tell your story. So you have to be your own advocate. And I tell people, you own your own career. You can't leave it up to your manager. Right. You and you to need to advocate. be proactive. Yeah. And you, well, they never made the appointment, you know, or a meeting. And I was like, you make it. They're going to talk about you. It's your, your career. Right. Why? Take it's ownership. Not, mm-hmm. Take ownership, um, but be intentional. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So I think that's how most companies are looking at it. And I think the pandemic really shed a light on people's priorities. And now companies also have to understand that as a manager, too, of the balance, right? It, because, I mean, we're at work most of our life, if you think about it. Yes. So you need to have the space where, you feel comfortable to be in, you feel productive, and you have a community and environment that you feel that you can grow. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, the employees are not going to be productive. Did anyone model that for you? Or how do you feel you found your voice to be that person to speak for others? 
That's interesting because people ask me, like, you have a mentor? I'm like, I've never really had a mentor. But because of the spaces I was in, I was the only Latina or Latin, mm-hmm. you know, minority at times. And I had a lot of allies. So I would like look at these individuals and I'm like, wow, how are they doing it? And really just understanding and learning. Um, but also trying to find those individuals to talk about me when I'm there, not there. Yeah. Right. And with sponsors, like sponsors, I think it's yeah. what mm-hmm. you would call it. Um, but we don't, we're not taught that. Right. And I think I just been blessed in being all these organizations and being in HR. I get to see those programs of mentors and things. Um, when I was at EY, I was, um, part of the diversity for advisory. And one of the things that we try to work on while I was there is trying to get more women in the partner. Mm-hmm. So we did a research to see why aren't women, when and when, why are women not going in that route? And we noticed around manager level, because that's when they start having, having families. Kids. Yeah. Right. And if you looked at the partners, at least the pool that I did the research, mm-hmm. a lot of these female partners were, didn't have kids. Or their husbands were stay-at-home husbands, or they have full-time nannies, right? And like you know we can't have full-time we nannies can't. because culturally, right? And in my book, I say that I have a character who's trying to make partner um, yeah. or grow, and you know gets a call from school, and she call, and her husband's like, "No, that's you got it. I can't leave work." Yeah, you know, and even though she's the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. And her calls her mom to say, you know, Ma, can you, can you why you it's priorities? Tell your job you have to go. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and just building that. But yeah. going back to your question, it's really just observing and learning and making mistakes and realizing, like, okay, I need to better be better at communicating, not be so emotional, and also to um, put yourself. And, and this is what I teach my kids: you never know what the other person's going through. Right. So you have to have an open mind. We all have baggage, you know, things that are going on that it might be a bad day, um, but yet don't let anybody disrespect you and call them out respectfully. It's like, you know, let's let's regroup. Let's talk tomorrow. It sounds like this is not working. One of my favorite things, every time I would get put in a place where I was uncomfortable, I would always be like, well, why do you want to know that? Like, why do you, why are you asking me that? Do you think that's an okay question to ask? And it was always, you know, in, in a corporate setting where right. they would be like, well, you're a Latina. And I'd be like, well, you're a white guy. Yeah. Like, do you guys like golfing <laughs> yeah. everybody? Like, you know, like, it's just like, don't generalize and don't like, I'm like, you have to treat the individual. Right. But what I learned mm-hmm. through all of that too, is that I've had a lot of allies that were very honest with me and said, I grew up in a small town in the South or whatever. I'll be the first to admit, I don't know. So please educate me. That's yeah. wonderful. So when people do react differently or you feel like they're racist or, or mm-hmm. discriminating, sometimes I ask, like, maybe they really don't know. And some do. Let's keep it real. But I try to give that benefit of the doubt before, um, as my friends say, you get little village on them. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work in corporate, no. <laughs> so I was at a, I, I was calling on a very big um, coffee chain, and we were presenting them a new bakery assortment um, that we were recommending. And I remember someone had a, it, there was a lot of chocolate. 
And I said, um, I'm not a big chocolate person. And one of our chefs said, because you're Mexican. And I'm like, tell me more. Like, right. yeah. And he goes, well, typically the Mexican culture, he's like, your, your bread is made of like water, salt, yeast, sugar. He's like, and because of how you consume it in your cultural identity, he's like, you guys eat a lot of bread because it's very communal and it brings people together and, and chocolate's a very expensive ingredient. So you use more things like spices and cinnamon and sugar. And, right. and he was like, so you probably didn't grow up with a lot of chocolate. And I was like, right. I didn't grow up with a lot of chocolate. And I'm like, when you said it the first time, I thought it was very mean, but you've really researched this. So thank you. Right. (laughs) And again, he probably could have framed it a different thing. You know, you probably weren't exposed to it versus saying it was because you're You're Mexican. Mexican. (laughs) Can't say that anymore. (laughs) You can't say that anymore. Right. You're very right. Yeah. And that's what we're we're teaching, right? And we're trying to in the corporate setting is the way you ask the question. Right. Um, and, and it's, yeah. it's normal, Words it's matter. natural. And even for me, like mm-hmm. my kids make fun of me because, you know, I grew up where when you hang out with people, you know, my parents are like, ¿De dónde son? ¿Y dónde viven? And, you know, and things like that. They're like, and, Yeah, like, <laughs> who are they? So I do that to my kids. Like, mm-hmm. mom, I'm going to go. And I go, who are you going to go with? And they're like, say, they, I'm like, oh, are, are they black, Asian? They're like, like where do they live? Why does that matter? Yeah. Don't yeah. be racist, mom. And I said, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just curious of your environment, who you hang out with. Yeah. But it's because of how I was raised. Mm-hmm. And they, it's a whole generation. They're just like, does it matter? And I'm like, well, I just want to see who you're around. I'm not trying to say, oh, they're this. I don't want you, blah, blah, blah. But, but those things do come out sometimes, right? Because of how I was raised. Right. Sure. So it's really hard. And my kids will say, Ma, you're in HR. Why'd you say that? And I was like, I'm human too. Like, well, yeah, those are <laughs> unconscious biases exactly. that we have, right? right? That that we've been we've we were brought up that way, right? Foundationally, right. Right. Uh, and we're in different times too, as well. And and so they might not gravitate to, but I think we reacted like you just said, how your children are reacting. We reacted with our our yes, parents. What our parents say. It's like, but yeah, I mean, usually we used to hang out with everybody that's down the block, so everybody knew each other, right? Exactly. Now it's a different day and age, so. Well, Miriam, this conversation is going so well. Nayeli, what are your thoughts? I think we need to bring back the author of Latinas in Corporate. Miriam, you are definitely someone we want to hear more from. I would be happy to come back and share more stories. Corporate Cafecito was produced in beautiful downtown Oak Park at Boulevard Studio. Audio engineer and editor is Mike Mitchell. We're available on every podcast platform. 